Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. I want to ask you a question. What are the characteristics of a revival? And what is the character of a revival? How can we tell when God is getting ready to pour His Spirit out upon a community, an individual, a church, an entire region? Father in heaven, we bless you today. We thank you for your word. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God. So what is the character of a revival? Well, first of all, revival is a sovereign move of God. But it's a sovereign move of God in answer to the prayers and the supplications of believers who are concerned and burdened and grieved by the spiritual condition or the spiritual darkness of the area around them. And these concerned believers, they desire, above everything else, above all else, they desire to see the hand of God, the hand of the Lord, move, and people to be moved, and their towns to be moved, and ultimately for God to be glorified in His saints. Hallelujah. You know, Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Notice that. And turn from their wicked ways. Turn from their sin. Then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Amen. This is a passage of Scripture that is invoked so many times uh, concerning prayer. Uh, but in, in this verse of Scripture, there is the characteristic of revival. First of all, this verse of Scripture is talking to God's people. If my people, who are called by my name, shall do what? Shall humble themselves. Isaiah 57 says that God is going to revive the spirit of the humble. If, if we will humble ourselves and realize, uh, you know, we're not where we need to be with the Lord. We're not where we should be with the Lord. And pray, humble ourselves and pray. And then turn from their wicked ways. Notice how prayer changes things. Notice how prayer changes us. Things that we do that we uh, don't necessarily hasn't, uh, made, we have not made a connection that these things are wrong, but prayer and the Holy Spirit working through prayer is going to ID these things, these character flaws that we live with. And much of the time we buddy up and bed down with. And turn from our wicked ways and turn from their sins. Then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal uh, their land. Amen. This is speaking of the nation of Israel. This is Solomon's cry on behalf of his nation. But this is also has an individual application. But the element in revival is always prayer. And not just common prayer. We're talking about the kind of prayer and entreaty that uh, has to be answered. A cry out to God 
intense, something intense. And of course, it's all of God working in us, you see. The sovereign move of God involves God sovereignly moving in his children because he knows what they need. He knows what we need. Many years ago, matter of fact, about 10 years ago, I was praying with some fellow church members around the altar and I had a vision. And in that vision, I saw Jesus. I saw Jesus standing on a cloud in heaven. And from beneath the feet of the Lord, there was a waterfall and this waterfall came out and splashed upon the earth. I saw the globe of the earth and written within the flow of the water was revival. And so I instantly realized that from the time Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit came, revival has been falling upon this earth. Think about that for 2,000 years. Heaven has not been shut up. Heaven is open. Amen, praise God. Remember when the veil of the temple was rent from top to bottom. Amen. And God was speaking to us and saying that now the way is opened unto the heavenly places. And so revival's been flowing now for 2,000 years. And all that it takes to have a personal revival, a church to have revival, is to get into alignment with him. And it begins with us humbling ourselves, realizing we're not where we should be, casting off these wicked works, things that we know that uh, uh, are not of God, doesn't necessarily mean they're evil. And then seek him. And God says through the prophet Isaiah, I will revive the spirit of the humble and I will revive the heart of the contrite ones. To have contrition means to to have a, a repentive heart, to have sorrow of heart, to groan. You see, and all these things is God, the Holy Spirit working in us to bring us to this place to where then we begin to seek him for revival. Jesus said this in Mark, I mean, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, no regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge says, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cried day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth. And revival is a type of vengeance. It's a vengeance against the powers of darkness. It is vengeance against wicked spirits. It is a vengeance against sin and iniquity that oftentimes creeps into the church. Look at the, the mess that the, the church is in today. 
But what the church that is called the church that's walking in darkness, um, that's not really the true church, is it? But it goes back to what Solomon said. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, meaning turn from their sins, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. And Jesus, in speaking this parable, he identifies that which is necessary in order for men to have a revival, for vengeance to uh, come speedily. And when I say vengeance, I'm talking about uh, vengeance against the powers of darkness. It's prayer. That men ought always to pray and not to faint, meaning not to quit, not to give up, stay with it. I remember my mentor years ago said that there was a particular situation uh, within uh, his uh, influence that uh, was going off the rails. And he, he saw that in the body of Christ and and he knew it was not of God. And so he began to pray. Well, His prayers was like a sailboat stuck out in the middle of the ocean without wind blowing against his sails. That's how he started. But you know what he did? He stayed with it. He continued to pray, continued to stay with it. And over a period of time, the Holy Spirit came alongside to help him, took hold with him against that thing, and it began to change. You see, that's the kind of revival praying that we must see in the church today. You know, if we'll just do what Jesus taught us to do, man ought always to pray and not to faint, not to quit, give up or wear out, and continue to pray, revival will come, renewal will come. It'll come personally, it'll come within our group, It'll come within our church and it'll come within our, our uh, community. Now, Zechariah prophesied this. He said, ask ye of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord will make bright clouds and give them showers of rain into everyone grass in the field. This is so prophetic. See, we're talking about the latter rain. And we've been in the latter rain for quite some time. And so Zechariah is prophesying by the Spirit of God, and he's saying, you ask the Lord, you make, a, you make a plea, you make a decree. And you ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. That's the time we're in now. So the Lord shall make bright clouds. God has made so many bright clouds, so many good churches, large ones, medium ones, small ones. The pastors love God with all of their heart. The congregations love God with all of their heart. But they are just dry as a bone. What do they need? They need rain. They need rain. I mean, you look at some of the videos of the harvest fields. I mean, they're just absolutely beautiful. But then you look at other areas where the same type of wheat has been planted, but they're in drought conditions. And the wheat fields are dry and they're burnt. All they need is rain. We're, we're laboring today 
in many of our churches across this nation because we're trying to live without rain. And yet Jesus is raining revival down upon the earth. He's been doing it for 2,000 years. Prayer brings us into an alignment with God so that he can bless the people of God. And really, that's the purpose of revival. It's to cause people to be aware of God's presence, that he is real and that he is powerful. You know, there was a time uh, a few years back when I was preparing my message, my teaching to give uh, to the church that I was pastoring at that time. And I was spending time in prayer, preparing myself. And then all of a sudden it caught me. Something that I had lost sight of. I lost sight of the fact that in prayer and preparation, I needed to allow the Holy Spirit to have greater control of our meetings. And I, I'm a studious kind of fella, and I like to study, and I like to make notes, and I like to put stuff down on, on paper and ink. And, and a lot of times we just get into a habit of doing that like we're, uh, you know, teaching a Bible class or something like that in a university or some, something of that nature. And I have totally left out the Holy Spirit. And so I changed that. I began to pray, began to welcome the Holy Spirit and began to look to him instead of my notes. And what was the result? Well, is that men, they began to experience a greater measure of the anointing in the services. And two men came up to me at the end of the meeting and said that they had some questions that they wanted to ask me uh, before the meeting began, but that during the teaching, uh, God had answered them all. That's the Holy Spirit moving. You see, the Holy Spirit knows the hearts of men. And if we will allow him to move among us, he will show himself strong on our behalf. Paul said it this way in writing to the Corinthian church. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's what God, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life and in our public ministry. But now we can't forget the element of praise to go along with prayer. Remember in Acts chapter 13, talking about Paul and Barnabas, and as they ministered unto the Lord, the Holy Ghost said, separate me. So praise being the highest kind of prayer is important. And it's coupled with our prayers and our entreaties and our petitions and our travail, asking God desperately to do something for us. 
The first five verses of Psalm 18 says this, Oh, God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give glory even with my glory. Well, what is my glory? Well, it's what God has done on the inside of us. Hallelujah. It's our worship. It's our praise. It's our thanksgiving. It's our appreciation. It's our glory to give to God. And, you know, the Apostle Paul, in writing to the Ephesian church, he told them, he says, you know, to speak to yourselves continually in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the Spirit-filled life. That's maintaining the glow of the Spirit-filled life. And then the psalmist goes on and it says, Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. Hallelujah. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reaches unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth. That, notice verse 6, that thy beloved may be delivered. Save with thy right hand and answer me. I'm telling you, praise and thanksgiving stills the enemy. Amen. And that's such a necessary part, such a necessary part to revival. Hallelujah. I remember in reading about the old Azusa Street revival and how the people would assemble and they would just begin to sing and they would sing and sing and sing and then the power would fall. And that's when the Holy Spirit moved in and that's when things began to happen. Oh, I tell you, God wants things to happen in our life personally. God wants things to happen in our life, in our family life and in our home. God wants us to, uh, to experience things that he has prepared for us in our churches and in our communities. And when we allow the Spirit of God to move and we humble ourselves and open ourselves up through prayer to him, mighty things will take place. Paul said it this way. He said, my little children of whom I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you. He left the Galatians with a good testimony, got many people saved. But see, then they begin to backslide. They begin to get their mind off of heavenly things, back on earthly things. And so Paul said, now I've got to return and travail in you in birth again for you like I did at the very first. So that's the key. The Apostle Paul knew prayer and travail, what it would do. And in this case, it opened up the entire area of Galatia to the preaching of the gospel. See, this is labor. This is labor of soul. This is the deep agony which we feel, which people feel when they hold on to God and they, they will not let him go until they receive something from him. And this is essential. Now, not, we don't, when I say essential, I'm not necessarily talking about a great distress, 
of soul in order to have uh, the spirit of prayer. But I am saying that there is a place when you know that the spirit of prayer is upon you, when God is present. Hallelujah. And the and the, the prayers start coming out of your spirit, not out of your mind, out of your spirit. They flow like rivers. See, that's that's the flowing of revival. It is a deep, continual, earnest desire for the restoration of the church and for the salvation of sinners. That's what constitutes the spirit of prayer. And this kind of prayer constitutes revival. Amen. Paul himself said, praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. He also said to the Thessalonian church, pray without ceasing. He reminded the Colossians that they are to watch unto prayer. And then he told the Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Hallelujah. See, all that comes through prayer and submission to the will and to the want of God. God wants to do things for you. He wants to do things in the church. He wills us for us to have these things. And we've got to meet him. Why? Because we're co-laborers together with him. He needs us to preach the gospel. He needs us to stay strong in the things of God. He needs for us to be a beacon of light into a darkened world. He does not need us to compromise with the world. He leads. He needs us to stay separate because there is a difference between that which is holy and that which is unholy. There is a difference between the nation of God and the nations of this world. God made us that way. Come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. See, holiness, uh, uh, revival brings a renewal of holiness to our lives, a separation and a consecration to our lives, where then we begin to once again live holy for God. So when this feeling of the spirit of prayer exists in a church, Amen. It begins to reform the church. It begins to change the church. Unless the spirit of God is grieved away because of uh, the sins of believers and their refusal to repent. But once this spirit of prayer exists in the church, there will always be a revival. As long as we don't fail to do what Jesus said, don't give up, don't quit. Don't get weary, but just keep on keeping on. Charles Finney said this. He says the revival can be expected when Christians are willing to make sacrifices necessary to carry it on. They must be willing to sacrifice their feelings, their business, time, 
to help the work. And the ministers must be willing to expend their energy. Amen. Hallelujah. How many pastors, how many ministers, oh, this touches my heart, spend countless hours on their knees praying all alone for a congregation that just doesn't get it. Seeking God hour after hour, hour after hour for God to do something wonderful in his congregation. How many times have people been called up who needed healing? Hands were laid on them and they were instantly healed. God performed a miracle right before the eyes of everyone in the congregation and the congregation just sat there looking. No thankfulness, no rejoicing, no praising God. Folks, when that happens, that church is in dire need of a revival. James said this, he says, the fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much. That means it makes tremendous power available. Elijah was a man of like passion, just like you and I are, flesh and blood. Just a lot of call upon his life. And he prayed earnestly. Actually, he prayed earnestly, means in his prayer, he prayed something deep, something earnest, something powerful, that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave, gave rain, and the earth brought forth her, her, her fruit. Amen. God is very much into revival. God wants his children to live in revival. But it begins on our knees. It begins at the altar. Recognize, you know, we're not where we should be with the Lord. Our church is not growing. Our church is not in a place where we should be. And so we have to do something about it. Now, revival reinvigorates life in the believer. It reinvigorates life in the church. There is a renewal. Amen. People then become awakened. Hallelujah. And the spirit then begins to come down. They begin to cry out to the Lord. They begin to, to petition the Lord. They begin to beseech him and beg him and, and, and do whatever they know to do. Cast off the works of darkness. And then what happens then? Then the Spirit of God comes down. And then men come under conviction. They realize, you know, what, we, we, what are we doing here? What are we doing? We're not where we're supposed to be with the Lord. Musicians, the Spirit of God comes on the musicians and they realize, uh, you know, we're not, we're not playing for the glory of the Lord. We're praying, playing for ourselves. And conviction comes on the preacher. I, I, I have not been I have not been preaching behind the pulpit like I should. I have not been praying like I should. And when that happens, then, and the Spirit of God begins to move in the people of God, then meetings increase. Others become affected, 
And then revival brings days of heaven upon the earth, either individually or corporately. But now revival is primarily for the church. And the only people that can really have revival are those that are already born again. Those that are sinners, they don't need to be revived. They need to be born again. They need a rebirth. They need to be brought from death to life through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that happens, amen, revival is extended outside of the church into the world. Amen, praise God. And I pray that we pray for this to happen in our life and in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.